Welcome team, so happy today to bring a very good friend of mine, uh, Ronald Griffiths, to the show. Ronald, um, yeah, I've introduced you as a very good friend, but I should introduce you for the reason you're here. You're a very good coach. In fact, I believe you'll be the next Indigenous head coach after the great Arthur Beetson's only been one Indigenous coach in the NRL, and I, I honestly believe you'll be the the next one head coaching in the NRL and I say that because I've watched you coach mate I've worked with you I've coached with you we just recently off the back of your indigenous all-stars camp where you coached that that men's team to a very tight victory against the Maori all-stars it was one of the best weeks I've ever had mate one of the best camps the way you ran that camp it'll go down as one of my best memories so um I'll I'll introduce you as a coach as well as a friend so thanks for coming on mate uh, thanks for having me. Uh, humbling words, mate. Um, certainly that's, you know, an aspiration of mine to to be a head coach at some stage when I think I'm ready and, and when the right opportunity presents itself. Yeah, well, but I wouldn't just say that. Mm. Uh, I'm not just saying that to, um, to hype up the show. Yeah. I wouldn't say that, mate. I've, the way you ran that camp, the way you loved your players, I noticed that you have that trait of that manager that kind of, how to put it, you could sit over the top of, I know you're saying uh, when you're ready, but you could sit over the top of any, you are a coach, whether it's male or female, I should have said you're the, the female head coach yeah. of the New, Newcastle team that won their first premiership. Yeah. So, you're a head coach, doesn't matter if you're coaching females or male. Yeah. Uh, I watched what you did in that camp. Those players loved you, mate. Well, they, they would die for you. And where did that trait come from? What influences in your life have you had in the coaching? Can we go back maybe and just take us through your journey? Yeah, we can. I'll probably digress and go back to that first statement. And I think that, um, uh, you know, the magnitude of coaching an NRL squad, I think it's, it's not that I'm not ready, but I think there's so much more to go into it and I've, I've got a lot of development. And I think the other thing is um, you know, putting the right people around you and building a crew over time, um, you know, and, at an organisation that is ready, um, you know, for what I've got to offer. I think that's what I mean, you know. I've got no doubt if I stepped into a role, it was the right place and we had all those things in, in place, I'd be okay. But, you know, to find that at this point in time is probably, you know probably not right there um so that that's probably yeah, just wanted to digress a little bit and when you talk about uh you know sitting over the top that that style i suppose that's that's how i was brought up so if i think about you know in 1978 the the first uh aboriginal or newcastle all blacks played in the, the local second division competition and i reckon back then there was seven or eight you know really uh, there were seven or eight Aboriginal families that lived in Newcastle, and they all they all came together every weekend. We'd go to the football. My dad was a coach, a player, and a, a player coach over time. And I reckon everything we did then together was inclusive, and we all did it together. Um, and that was sort of a, a learned trait or a learned behaviour for me. So um, I think that you know, that part of my style is to try and get everyone together on the same page, working towards a common goal. And that were lessons that I learned as a kid. Being in the sheds from, you know, when I was first born that year to, you know, for the next 20 years as I watched my dad coach. And and I, I think it's not just a, a coaching thing. I reckon it's a collective community thing for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Yeah. You mentioned your dad. So obviously I wouldn't mind sticking there. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
great influence on your life. Mm. Uh, not only your life, but also your coaching life. Mm. What was he like as a coach? What was his characteristics that you love now? You being a professional coach, looking back at him, what made him so good? I think, you know, um, they talk about the good coaches now, like that have been in the game for a long, long time. And they talk about their, you know, the investment in the people. And I think that's what, that's the lesson that I learned from a very young age. You know, that, that's, that's what dad did. He was invested in his, in his players. Um, whether that was having them live at home, helping them find work, um, you know, whatever was, whatever was required to make their life comfortable and, and make them better people. I think that was the, the biggest lesson for me. And I learned those lessons without even understanding that I was actually learning them. You know, there were things along the way where he'd, he'd say different things to me around, you know, um, you know, if you get the stuff away from footy, right, you know, everything will be okay on the field and develop the person and the player will follow. You know, there are a lot of different lessons like that, but I reckon subliminally I was getting those messages just watching what he did by having people in our home organizing um you know organizing a, a, a rugby league coaching clinic for 100 Aboriginal kids from across New South Wales and then venturing into Queensland and getting kids from out there you know disadvantaged Aboriginal kids and bringing them to to one area and then putting putting great mentors around them you know guys that were playing ARL at the time Jeff Hardy Ricky Walford uh Dennis Kinchela you know there were a myriad of players that he brought in Further to that, he brought in influential figures in the game. Um, you know, guys that had that had probably like Keith Holman, guys that had played at the highest level. Uh, Paul Broughton, you know, who was, a, a, you know, a, a big figure and you know was a was a great figure in the game. Was involved in setting up the Titans. Um, you know, there's probably back in that era there wasn't anyone that uh, you know of note that didn't come to our camp with those kids. So. You know his responsibility was to to build our our people up those young kids give them bring them from the bush give them an opportunity and show them that there's a different life and then you know provide a pathway for those kids to go on and represent and play at the highest level or take lessons back to their community and be better you know be, be better citizens and and you know grow out of that camp for that week Mate, that's so good and you mentioned some some names there that um you know paul broughton for example well respected in the the coaching game and yeah. the coach education game and they're yeah. a real giver, you know, and it sounds like your dad's a real giver and I know you're a real giver and carer. Um, but you mentioned the word learn a lot. Just in conversation, you, you use the word learn a lot where you are a lifelong learner. You didn't even know you were learning when you were this big. Yeah. And, but then that's progressed. I mean, we, we first met in a representative camp I was working in and, um, I tell the listeners that you you knocked on my door one night and you I took I just connected with you straight away. We have we have a similar upbringing. How my father I lived and breathed coaching my whole life. Um, you didn't know that at the time. I didn't know your bit at the time. We just had this connection around. You always wanted to learn, and that's that's how I've always been. I've just learned of great people, great coaches, and um, yeah, we had a bowl of red. I think you were on a video, I was on a red, and we talked footy and connected. That was like 15 years ago, mate. Yeah, 15 years ago. And since then, you've learned and learned and learned. You've worked and worked and worked. You've been assistant coach at an NRL club. Then you decided to start coaching the women's game at the Newcastle Knights and won the competition in your first year. We've had Hannah Southwell on the show who talks very highly of you and the culture that you created. But you've always been a lifelong learner. Yeah, I think uh, like 
I listened to the podcast with Wayne and I reckon it was a, a moment there for me where it was similar for you. You were in a room with Wayne or in a camp with Wayne if you didn't take the opportunity to learn off someone who's got so much skin in the game or so much knowledge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you're doing yourself an injustice. And I remember um, yeah, I remember sort of watching from afar. Obviously, you'd been at Parramatta and, and done different things. And I just thought to myself, well, it's an opportunity to go and learn. So I knocked on your door and yeah, the relationship, you know, it has been there since then. And some of my, I was coaching local league then in the Newcastle competition. That conversation was still, there were some of my best learnings out of it, that first conversation we had. And I remember talking about being economical on everything we do, you know, in particular, like, hey, if you're using your warm up, making sure you're using parts of your game in that, you know, what are you going to, you work on your kick pressure, you work on your retreat speed, different things like that. So, and those lessons held me in great stead because when you're working at a local league level, like there's you, and maybe you know your reserve grade coach you use him in as, a, as an assistant so the lessons i got there about a, a economy and making sure that everything was relevant to the game are lessons that i still carry now um so it, it was great from that perspective and you know they hold me in good stead those lessons um but i think you know learning is you know each day i try and do something little you know it might only be read a chapter of a book or, or watch a docker you know different things and it might be just go and ask questions you know i've recently just might call people and go, hey, what do you reckon about this idea? And or just ask them their thoughts on on different ideas or scenarios or why they do that. You know, a big thing for me I've been asking lately is, are we in the business of performance or people? And you know, you get some different responses because I, I feel like I'm in the, the people business. And me as a coach, I may go too far that way sometimes. And I reckon talking to different people, you know, they give me different advice or different ideas on, you know, it's got to be a mix of both, but don't really revert from your philosophy and what you believe in. So I think, yeah, learning can take place in many shapes and forms. And uh, I think it's if you know if you want to be at the top of your game or you want to progress and develop, uh, it's something you've got to continue to do. And so much so that when I finished school, year 12, I didn't go to university. My parents encouraged me to, but I just, yeah, I, I was never a great studier and it didn't really interest me. But further on down the track, after I'd been, you know, coaching for a while and I thought, well, what's the evolution of my coaching? Um, I had the, you know, the, the level three coaching certificate or high performance certificate, but there was nothing else. And there's, there's really not much out there for, for rugby league coaches. So I went and studied or via distance ed at the, you know, the uh, Queensland University uh, certificate in coaching. So. I mean, that's, that's how keen I was to, to continue and keep learning. Well, mate, first of all, some, some absolute gold in there, as far as the gold is, you're a listener to the podcast that mentioned the Wayne Bennett episode that yeah. that's possibly my most listened to episode. Yeah. Um, Wayne, Wayne wisdom and his experience is priceless. And I'm forever grateful for that episode because it's there forever. Mm. And the other one is. You mentioned that experience with me was like the one I had with Wayne. So I wouldn't call myself Wayne Bennett, but it's humbling that I did have an impact on your life at the time. I didn't know that until you just told me like that. Um, yeah, so my experience was, which you heard on the Wayne Bennett episode, was very similar. I was rooming next to him in the Kiwi camp of the 2008 World Cup, and I thought, this guy's won, at that stage, six premierships. Every grand final he goes to, he wins. Yeah. So I thought, I better go knock on his door. And then that's how that relationship started, being a great friend and a great mentor ever since then. In 2008, you mentioned people or performance. Well, if you think of someone like Wayne, it's both. Mm. Yeah. 
but you also mentioned something about being yourself. If you can develop your own coaching philosophy and then stay authentic to that because that's you and develop other areas but stay you, um, you're de- which you do, is definitely on the right track. And that's, that's Wayne. Yeah. He's very um, authentic to him. He is very caring of his people and he does perform. You know, I've had roles where my job title's been head of performance, but I see performance as physical, mental, technical, tactical, cohesion, culture, the morale of the place, the environment. There are so many things that go into actually performing to, and one of the crucial pieces of that puzzle is the people side, which you're a genius at. That That's why I started this episode with, you need to be a head coach. You know, you, you're probably thinking you want to go down the path of being an assistant, but you've already done that. Yeah. Uh, you need to be a head coach because that's the skill of the Wayne Bennett's of the yeah. world. Well, I think um, when you talk about being an assistant coach, I probably don't necessarily, if, if the opportunity arose, I wouldn't say no, but I don't necessarily want to be an assistant coach because I think I've got a philosophy and a, a set of values or a style on, 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 you know, that I, and not that I wouldn't be able to support a head coach because I would do it to, you know, I would do it with, um, you know, I'd do it with integrity and make sure whatever his message was, that was the, that, that's the, the overriding, the key thing that we're really pushing. Yeah, uh, you know the head coach is the boss, and I would support them no matter what. But I think when you're a um, when you've got your own style and you're really uh, you're really confident and comfortable in what you're doing, and you know you've got a, a philosophy that you really really believe in, I think that's for me personally. That's why I want to be a head coach yeah. um, because I, I I do have that. Um, but but I reckon you know there's some good stuff there around the performance side of things, particularly some conversations we've had lately. I think that um, a lot of the time, and, and there is a place for sports science in our game, yep. but I reckon a lot of it is feel and understanding that what we're doing on the field, particularly in terms of training, has got to be relevant to what we're going to be doing that weekend when we play. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I feel like uh, people that are that, that study at university, and I'm, I'm, I have total respect for what they do, yep. sometimes I reckon they forgo the feel and... The understanding of what the player needs in terms of footy relevance it's got to be relevant to the game and also how the player is feeling at that point in time you know it's not just based on numbers so i reckon it's the stuff that we've spoken around about a, an overarching approach or you know encompassing everything i think that's what's a little bit missed at this point in time yeah that's missed um across a lot of sports i just had a very interesting chat with a very experienced NBA coach recently and getting the art versus with the science and the balance right. But the beauty is the successful coaches like you, you actually just said it, you respect that. When you respect that, then you all seem to work together. Yeah. It's there's some coaches that don't respect it and brush it and then there's a clash or there's the opposite. There's the the sciencey side that don't respect the art side of the coach, so it's a clash. The best sports scientists I've ever worked with, Tom Lovell, Jed McGrath, Aaron Coots, there's a few really good ones, Anita Sorotic, some really, really good ones. They, they 
respect the art of the coaching as well. And then when they have a coach that respects their bit, then you can all work together. And that that's where the magic happens. You said the word respect there. Um, I, I want to go there because it's it's my favourite word in sport. <laughs> um, if you respect the game, the game pays you back. If you respect that sports science team, they pay you back. Yeah. You, re, you respect your players, they respect you back. Like it's just life, isn't it? Something that's really big in you, in your family, how you live, but also I want to go there as a value or a law of the Indigenous people. Yeah, yeah. So could you maybe, could we talk, could we teach people the Aboriginal laws, L-O-R-E-S, Dean Winters taught me that, L-O-R-E-S, because I believe any team, you know, all the teams that have their values on the walls and, yeah, you know, so some teams are just words on a wall and they don't live it. The ones that win, they live it. But the laws I've learned of the Aboriginal people, if every team had those on the wall and they lived it, they win. Yeah. Can you take me through that? Well, I think if you touch on the particularly one in particular, like respect, I mean, that's how we were brought up. Um, from as soon as you're born really it's about respecting everyone you know we respect mother earth we respect our um our siblings our parents um you know those in the wider community i'll give you an example um and it's a relevant recent one you know the young kid that um that that you know said something to latrell that game against the panthers you'd see nico come out in the papers a week later and said oh, i'd love to get him into our camp and understand what we do in camp and, and our, our our culture in camp and how we how we live it, um, you know, how we develop it. Um, so he can see, um, you know, what happens and um, so he can learn a little bit more about our culture, you know, and, and then other people in the media might have said, hey, well, that's the furthest thing, you know, from my mind. A non-Aboriginal person said that kid shouldn't be doing that. Um, you're rewarding him, but you're actually not, you know, for us, it's not about that. You know, we, we, we respect it. You know, he mightn't have been brought up. He's got a different, different upbringing to us, and you know, he, he didn't show respect that day. But our job is to to respect him and and actually show him that there's a different way. You know, that's that's the big thing for us is, you know, people might do the wrong thing, or but at the end of the day, um, we don't know what sort of a life they're living or how they've been brought up or what happens. So for us, it's about hey, let's get everyone on the same page here and work towards a common goal, and let's be inclusive and. Um, and I think the big thing with that is because a lot of our elders or, or ancestors probably weren't included, you know, and that's the furthest thing from our mind. So when you talk about respect, I think that's a, a sign of it there, what Nico did, and that'd be a sign for our organisation or our team to bring in a heap of non-Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids and show them that respect to learn our culture and understand what it's about. And, um, there, are, there are other different things that go with our law, but in particular, like when you talk about respect, it's such a, um, carries so much weight with it with our people. Yeah. So what I learned, I mean, I know we're going off topic of the coaching topic, but it does relate to listeners about living your values. So what, what I learned about the Aboriginal laws, and, and I'm talking hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, the reason they're the oldest living culture in the world, what I understand, living in a harsh country in a heart, like it was hard to survive. Yeah. Um, those days, hard to survive. The way they survived was they had laws within their tribe. 
And unfortunately, some of this was taken away from him and then that's led to there's some communities now that unfortunately, maybe through sport, we can get them back living yeah. as laws. But the laws were, and they were represented by an animal. I don't know if, yeah, so there was respect, responsibility, discipline, and there was justice as well. And that was called a binder. Yeah. So the way I look at that is, can you imagine a team, if you're coaching a team that were disciplined on and off the field, mm. respect, respect the game, respect the opposition, respect the staff, respect each other, however you, yeah. however you see respect. They were responsible, uh, you know, and if they weren't disciplined, the, the justice version in the game is you get penalised, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. But in the tribal life, the way I've learned it so far, and you might help me more, was everyone had a responsibility in that tribe or that team for it to function. Everyone had a responsibility. They all live with respect, in particular respecting their elders and their families. And and like you said, the earth, and and they were all very disciplined. The justice part become interesting. I asked Dean Witters in an episode... The justice was if you didn't do those, you got a spear in the leg. Yeah. Or maybe you were shamed or yeah. from the tribe. Yeah. Do you feel what I feel about how we can impact if if we could help through sport some younger generations that that may come back in how they live? Because it was taken away from them. We can't hide from the fact. Yeah. Responsibility was taken away from Indigenous people, even they didn't even have rights to their own kids. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other episode. But it was taken away from them. Do you believe through sport we can bring this back? Well, I think so. I think through sport education, like if I look at the North Coast at the moment, there's the first ever um, bilingual school up there. Okay. Yeah, so they actually came over and performed in, in Rotorua when we were over there. Um, oh, at night yeah. we went out for dinner. Yeah, so that's the first ever bilingual school in New South Wales, I should say. Um, so I think, yeah, we can, we can get it back through education and, and, and sport in particular. Like I, for instance, like if I, if I think back to when I was a 12 year old and my dad used to run that camp, um, you know, that's what it was about using sport as a conduit to be able to, uh, to improve the lives or provide opportunities for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. I think sport's the best, you know, one of the best conduits for it. Um, you know, you can open doors for them. You can. You know, you can reinstill the the values or the um, you know the law that we live by um, by by you know for instance getting them in camp like we did and we had our had our cultural people in there to to teach the the young men those lessons because some of them are displaced from their culture so it's a perfect opportunity for for culture to be a conduit for them to to learn more about the the law and the the value system and then you know live their life like that. You just said some of them are displaced from their culture. So some of them they don't even know either the the history of, and I found that was so powerful in that camp. You brought me into that camp as a non-indigenous person. Why did you do that? Well, I think it was an opportunity for you. I'd, we'd obviously connected years ago, but I, I reckon it was you know after we'd been working at Newcastle, and um, you know I, I thought it was an opportunity for you to come in and learn about our culture, and then take that into your. Um, you know, future endeavours, whether that be with New South Wales or, or whatever role you're in, I thought it was a greater chance for you to to understand, particularly when you're coaching. You know, you spoke to me about your example with Fui Fui when you had him at Parramatta and you learn his culture or you learn his language. But then I thought to myself, well, 
it was an opportunity for you to learn more about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So um, I, know, I know, you know, your, your podcast is to help people learn. So, um, you know, there's an opportunity for you to learn and then present that to your listeners. But also when your your coaching endeavours take you wherever they are, it's a chance for you to, to work closely because you've got more of an understanding um, of our culture and our players and, and what it means to them and, and how to get the best out of them when you're in origin camp. Well, it did that, mate. Yeah. It did that. Um, and I appreciate it. I'm grateful for that. Is there any lessons you've learned that we could share to listeners right now in your coaching journey? Is there? Because I think back in mine, and I had great people, great people, just grab me under their wing and say, you're going all the way, son. Like, you are going all the way in this game. And people like, obviously I grew up with it, I was surrounded with it, but people like Brian Smith or people like Wayne or people, people that gave me encouragement. I'm doing that to you now. I'm saying, Ronald, you are going all the way, mate. Yeah. But I've got a feeling it hasn't been so easy. Like... Yeah, it, it's been it's there's a tough journey out there and there's people listening now that they're on a bit of a tough journey uh, and I hope everyone's got that person in their life that says mate aim high you're going all the way but is there anything happened bit in this last 20 years that hasn't been so easy I reckon there's a lot of things that haven't been easy like nothing's been presented to me um, I've had to, to work hard and scrap for everything I've got um, you know for me personally, like I got an opportunity at the West Tigers, but it was an opportunity, it wasn't an, as an assistant coach, but it wasn't an opportunity that was presented to me. I actually had to, um, I was involved with the New South Wales under 16s Indigenous team and um, Steve Hall, who's since passed, pay my respects to his family, Steve, he's a great person and, um, you know, he gave me opportunity at a rep level to coach that team and I was fortunate enough there was a family involved or they were a sponsor of the that team, um, Kari they were called, but the Paul Ralph was the uh, Paul Ralph was the CEO at the time and he just said, If you ever need an opportunity or a leg up, let me know and if I can help you I will. Yeah, so Paul was actually the um he sponsored that coaching clinic as well. And then after that I I just caught up with Paul and had a coffee and a bit of a yarn and I just said, Oh, you know, what what would be the opportunity? Because Madge was actually a presenter. And um, yeah, late one afternoon, I, I grabbed Paul and said, what do you reckon about having a chat with Madge about the possibility of volunteering my time at the West Tigers? And he said, yeah, that'll be, that won't be an issue. Like, we'll go and have a coffee with him. And we did. And, and Madge was very welcoming and just said, yeah, that won't be an issue. So uh, for me, I was coaching, I reckon, I was coaching probably three three teams that year. I was um, coaching my son's team. I was coaching a uh, an Aboriginal knockout team. I was also coaching first grade at Curry. So I was managing three jobs and Previously, I had managed probably four jobs throughout a season, but that year was three jobs, and I was travelling down to the West Tigers, you know, a day a week, and it went sort of a day a fortnight, depending on what was happening, um, just volunteering my time and just for an opportunity to learn. Then after that 12 months, Madge said, well, there might be an opportunity there if we can, um, you know, talk to Paul about, you know, some sort of, uh, or Paul actually spoke to me. Madge said there might be an opportunity, and then Paul grabbed me and said, what do you reckon? I said, yeah, that sounds good. But then... um. Like the Tigers weren't willing to stump up the money to actually pay my wage. So it was actually like Paul put his hand in his own pocket to say, well, we'll pay half your wage, you know, to create an opportunity for you. 
Um, and that was the only way that I got my opportunity was, you know, through my relationship with them, the connection I'd made probably eight years earlier as a coach of that New South Wales under-16s team. And that relationship I'd built over time that that organisation was willing to to use some of their money uh, to be able to provide me with an opportunity. So, wow. yeah, it wasn't really, it wasn't ever presented to me or something that I worked at for years. Like it was a, it was a long journey and relationships I'd built, you know, it finally came to fruition and the, the sacrifice, the time away from the family. Yeah. And at that point in time, there was no other assistant, Aboriginal assistant coaches in the NRL. Yeah. Well, that's another topic, but I'm going to do my very best to make sure that changes and help. Um, I've, mate, I'm starting right now. You are going to be a great coach, a head coach, but there's so much, so much history and work that's gone into it that if anyone ever says you're an overnight success, I'll punch them in the face because it's not. No. Like it's, it's a 20-year yeah. project already. So when you come in and you coach the Newcastle Knights women as possibly your first pro proper professional yeah. job yeah. and you took them straight to a premiership. That That's not overnight success story. That's that's 20 years yeah. of work. Yeah. Um, and even you just mentioned you were the only Indigenous assistant coach in the NRL. And like I said, there's only been one ever Indigenous head coach in the NRL and that's the great Arthur Beetson. Yeah. So we're going to change that, brother. And there's other coaches out there too. There's, yeah. There's quite a lot. Yeah, there is. There's, there's a lot of good coaches. And I think um, I can refer back to that that coaching clinic that Dad used to run. His motto was opportunity leads to success. And I think that's the thing. Our people haven't been given the opportunity, you know, to to, yeah. to get success, you know. And I reckon if, if, if clubs are brave and, and come up with some sort of initiative or program, I reckon that, um, you know, they'll see a, a lot of great Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander coaches. So when you are on the million dollars a year, which comes with that type of role, this guy, Paul, mm. who chipped in to get you your first gig, is he on 10%? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you he rings you. I bet you this guy, Paul, a hey, Ronald, remember that time? Yeah. 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 Oh, that, mate, I just love hearing those stories because there's a lot of listeners out there that yeah. are on a similar path, similar journey. I reckon a good topic for us, for listeners, is the difference between coaching men and coaching women. Yeah. Because I believe you're a coach, you're a coach. doesn't matter if you're coaching women or men, you're a coach. But everyone's different, every group's different, every age is different. What did you find the difference coaching women and men? Well, I think if I look at the... The professional men, obviously, I came out of the Tigers environment, seeing what was happening with the, you know, the Newcastle Knights when I arrived there. And if you look at the, the men, sometimes there's there might be um, an assumed level of knowledge, where you know they're professional athletes, they do it day in day out. And I think that at, at sometimes we might overlook that you know they still need um, you know skill development or need personal development, personal growth plans, different things like that. Um, but they are more advanced than the female athletes in terms of they grew up playing football. So the little nuances of the game and understanding why they're doing what they're doing, that's that's the difference, I reckon, getting the, our female athletes to understand that. But in terms of coaching and, and trying to get the best out of your athlete, I don't think there's any difference personally. Um, you know, they've obviously all got their own things going on in life, whether it's health, well-being, um, you know, raising kids or for the females working outside of, of their, you know, their rugby league 
career. Um, but, but for me personally, I still think the, well, my philosophy is the way you get the best out of a player is it doesn't change like there. Yeah. I think that's where I go back to the, you know, high performance or, or people business. And, you know, for me, I, I lean towards more towards the people business and I, 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 without the high performance, it won't work. Um, you need to have a good combination of both. But I think, you know, if you get the people right, everything else will sort of flow. So I don't think there's a great deal of difference other than, uh, you know, if you're trying to get the best out of them, other than the real skill development, understanding the nuances of the game and, yeah, how to pull teams apart because they haven't grown up playing rugby league like the men have. Yeah, I think, I think you answered that really well. I just was curious on... I was just curious on the women's space. I, I, I mean, I'll even share my experience. You asked me to come come in on the first night, yeah. the very first night, and talk about culture, and talk about. And when I say culture, I mean values, words on the wall. Uh, but how we're going to live those? What do they look like? What does it look like on field, off field? And honestly, I found that group of women that you had, right, so engaging. So, like, you could walk into a group of men and present stuff, and sometimes they don't speak. Yeah. You had people in that team contributing and engaging to that conversation yeah. from the word go. Yeah. You had, and then you, we mentioned, you mentioned some things. Like, there's some things women are going through that are different to men. I mean, you had one player that just had a baby. Yeah. You know, so she was juggling work, training, Getting home at 10 o'clock at night from training. Got a baby at home. Got a great partner who understands the game and played the game. But, um, yeah, there's different issues going Definitely. on in women's life. Yeah. But I found them amazing, mate. I found the leaders in that team. Like, from the first... You know how we talk about the importance of first impressions? So I know you wanted us to give a first impression that night. But I got some first impressions from them that just blew me away. Yeah. I found the women so grateful, so grateful for people giving their time and, and they were grateful to learn. They were grateful for the opportunity. The leadership on some of your players, like Millie Boyle, like I know as we're recording this, the contract situation is going to go crazy and there'll be There'll be CEOs that hate me for saying this. You pay her whatever you want. Pay her whatever she's asking. As a leader, you can't buy that. I don't know if that affects you at the office, but as a leader, you can't. Oh, the way she led other women in her team and encouraged other people and built everyone up. But then you had other great leaders the same. Hannah Southwell's the same. And then next thing you know, her sister's coming through, Jessie Southwell. Who'll be a leader for at least by position, her yeah. position, she has to lead whether you like it or not. But I found you encouraged leadership. I found I found that was one of your key things was to encourage leaders to lead. And sometimes you used to step back and let it happen. That's obviously something you really value. That's priceless, right? Really I mean there's salary caps that are gonna restrict it, but yeah. it's priceless if you can get the right leader. Yeah, and I think creating the right environment for the leader. Um, you know, I think that's that's the that's a key. Having the right people in the team, uh, the right people around them, and then just putting some different tools in place to make sure that they can, 
live their role or do their role to the best of their ability. I think that's a big thing. But just to uh, digress a little bit, oh, we had training yesterday with our Harvey Norman team, which I coach, and um, I had Beric Barnes come along and, and we're talking after the session. He goes, you've got a great group there. And I said, yeah, they're a great group. And he goes, mate, there's just something about coaching our female athletes and how much they listen. He said, you can do something special with that. Yeah, it was like his first impression to first session he'd been to. And there were a lot of our young girls, like we had a couple of NRLW players, but the rest of them were all girls, young ladies looking for an opportunity in NRLW. And he just walked away so impressed. He just goes, yeah, I was involved. I've been involved with other female teams and just the intent that with which they listen and then go and do it. He said, you can do something special with that. So that was a, that's a great point. Well, it is. Well, it's also a compliment to you because you've created that environment and you encourage that out of them. But, you know, I just found the women very grateful. You even had, like, Tamika Upton, who's obviously been brought up very well about the respect side yeah. of things, and to even, they'd actually come and say, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Like, yeah. <laughs> I found uh, they were grateful for every opportunity. So, yeah, you're in a great space there. I'm, I'm not sure how long you'll last in the women's space because the men will become the pincher, but, um, yeah, well done on that and well done on... Um, those girls have then gone and inspired other girls. There's another generation, including my own daughter. So I'm um, very grateful for what they do. Um, mate, I, I just might, I might finish off with, um, I want to know, like, because so, I always think how, what can, how can I help the listeners? I, I want to know, is there anything we can help them with now? Like, is there a favourite book? You mentioned you, you read a chapter. Is there a favourite coaching book? Or is there a favourite person you follow? I love that you follow the podcast. Or is there something that you do in your own life, even in your routine maybe, that can help a listener right now? A book. Give me a book. I reckon there's there's some good points there in terms of there's things that I need to be better at. Like, um, so when we talk about like daily habits and different things like that, I find that I'm at my best when I get up early I'll do some breathing, um, you know, I'll write down what I'm grateful for. I might have a stretch and um, yeah, might just do a bit of meditation. And I reckon when I stick at that process, I'm, I feel like I'm at the top of my, I feel really good and it just sets the whole day up. So I reckon there's some, some nuggets there for the listeners in terms of, you know, find a process that works for you and stick to it. Um, Is that something you picked up that I try to encourage you with, with the, even with the journaling we would do or is... Is that something you picked up somewhere else? Or? I reckon it's a bit of both. So I reckon there was some, some particularly, but I, I, when I was at the Tigers, uh, assistant coach came in, Nathan Kalis. Yeah. And he just yeah. gave me a journal. And I'd never done any journaling before. I was never big on it and, yeah. um, because I hadn't really sort of spoken about it or learned anything about it or just it hadn't sparked an interest. And he gave me a journal and... Yeah, and the other assistant coach gave him one. It was just a habit I got into. And then I turned up at Newcastle and then you had those journals and I thought, how good this would be, be this for our players. And yeah, I sort of started a bit of a process where I thought, well, this That's is great. my morning routine, um, you know, and it, and I feel like for me, it just, yeah, revitalizes and refreshes and resets and just gets your whole day going good. But in terms of reading, I'm not a great reader. I try hard, um, but I really, it's a struggle, but I make sure that I try and, you know, chip away each night. But the, the most recent one I've been reading is, uh, belonging. It's called belonging. It's about the, the, um, yeah, the, the Maldi people. So it was a, uh, it was 
it was an opportune time to read it as we're heading over to Rotorua, but I reckon there's some great lessons in that. And the, the one I just finished prior to that was the Eddie, Eddie Jones leadership one. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Like I just, it was really good. And it took me back reading the Eddie one to how I first started coaching, I reckon, where everything was based on, you know, hard work and intent. Um, you know, you didn't need to be the most skillful player, but if you were willing to be fit enough and, you know, or, or, or be as fit as you can, um, and really listen to, to to what we needed to do to to get a win, or what we needed to do to be better people, or or achieve the you know the end result. Stick to the process. It sort of took me back to that the simplicity of the game we play, um, and making sure that we train with intent. But you know, above all else, we've got good people working towards a common goal. That's awesome. Well, there you go. Two books: Belonging and the Eddie Jones on Leadership. We'll throw we'll throw a little ad out there, free plug. Eddie Jones, you know I'm waiting to get you on this show. So you mentioned Nathan Kalis. I took Nathan to see Eddie recently. Yeah. And uh, it's funny you said you picked that up in the book, but one of the parts of the conversation that was trying to help Nathan in his coaching was basically sharing a lesson. If he could go back 20 years, maybe he would focus more on intent intent was the word yeah. that he used intent in everything intent in every drill intent in why we're doing it how the intensity we want what's required he used the word intent a lot it's funny that you just said you picked that up in the book so um that's the next person i'm going to take you to meet eddie jones i think when you talk about the intent like if you've got the intent to run hard or run fast and you've got the intent to support, you've got the intent to kick chase, you've got the intent to kick pressure, transition back and tackle hard, and you've got the intent to communicate. Like, I just think everything re revolves around that. There's got to be a real want and desire. And when you look at our game, it's it's like a, it's played in a coliseum where the crowd are around you cheering. It's, you know, 1v1, really. It's 13v13, but it's 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 men on. You know, I think that's the, the thing if you're willing to, play with more intent than your opposition and I think you've got to train like that um, and being a local league coach there's no one guiding you or giving you lessons really on how to train or what to train or, or what level of intensity to train at so you just you go all out you're a young coach and you're trying to learn and you think that's the best way and you know then you get to a higher level where you rely on a lot of other people but I reckon you know over time those lessons I learned you know listening to Eddie the lessons I learned when I was coaching by myself about intent working hard and the lessons I learned with you, you know, from you about making sure everything we did was relevant to the game, you know, they'll keep you in good stead no matter what level you're at. Awesome, mate. Hey, thanks for coming on this. Oh, good. Still good. Thanks. <laughs> anytime. Anytime. Some of the best learning you will ever do will be travelling. Give yourself space, time to creatively think, to learn, to meet people, or take a vacation with your family. Give yourself that time. And there's no better person or people or company to help you than the people at Tripadeal. Their experienced agents will look after you from start to finish. They will plan your flights, your accommodation, your car, your excursions, whatever you need. If you want to plan a trip of a lifetime, Tripadeal is the place to go. Tripadeal.com.au.